Welcome back to Lucas Baseball, Season 3, Episode 9. I'm Lou Landers, joined by my co-host Lucas Beery. Two very special guests joining us here today to talk about some polarizing bats and pitchers for 2021 redraft leagues. Two-part episode, Part 1 covering hitters and pitchers, Part 2 covering more pitchers, taking a look at some deep values before the grand introduction for our guests, Lucas Happy to be back here after my two-week Cancun hiatus. Where are you picking in TGFBI? And if you are cool with giving some info away, who do you think you're taking with that pick? Yeah, so I drew the sixth pick uh, in this year's TGFBI. That starts on Monday. So uh, I position myself, uh, try to be four, five, six range so I can go ahead and lock up either DeGrom or Cole. Uh, if both of those guys are gone, I guess I'll just have to either take Acuna, Tatis, or Betts uh, right there up at the top. Seems like no matter what, you're going to get a really good player at six. That's the uh, the beauty. That first round is just loaded. There's so many options for sure. I have the two pick. Um, I'm taking Acuna or Soto. Um, I know the guy in our league with yeah. the number one pick said he's taking Soto, but you never really know. But now to our guests, the dynamic duo, Ryan and Benny. If you've had the privilege of playing against them in Dynasty Leagues, you know, very knowledgeable guys, fierce competitors for sure. And I'll start with Benny. Welcome to the show, man. Hey, thanks, Lou, very much uh, for having us. We're super excited to be here. Uh, really nice of you to welcome us on. So of course, of course. It. Hopefully it can be a uh, semi-regular thing every now and again bringing you guys on. Ryan, excited to have you here too, of course. Excited to be here. Thanks, guys. I'm looking forward to this. Well, then let's get right down to business, starting with those hitters. And one I know is going to be a very long topic of conversation for us. It's Luis Robert. And Benny, I'm just going to start with you because I know you might have about 45 hours of stuff to say about him. Yeah, uh, Luis Robert, it's it's no secret that he's a polarizing figure. A lot of people love him. Uh, I'm certainly not the only one that is that is in the anti-Luis Robert camp. Uh, I know that there are, there are reasons that a lot of people have concerns. Uh, so yeah, very, very polarizing guy. He's somebody that uh, we tend to see go early in drafts this year. And usually when he goes, uh, half the room is thinking to themselves, oh gosh, I wish that I had maybe reached on him. And the other half is thinking, okay, he's off the board. Uh, I, I I was not tempted, and I, I won't need to worry about him any further. Yeah, Luis Robert is uh, he's someone that I've been pretty vocal about in terms of uh, the negatives against him. And you know, I, those those in our circles, you know, we all chat a lot, and I think it's pretty safe to to say that in those groups, uh, I'm kind of the guy that's planting his flag in the in on the anti Luis Robert train. And you know what? I mean, it, I have a lot of negatives to say about him, and and uh, I don't mean to disparage the man or the player, the real-life baseball player. And there are a lot of pros about Luis Robert for fantasy purposes, too. Um, you know, I, I understand why he's going in the third round of drafts because he might be the best speed power threat outside of that first, late first, early second round, outside of those early guys. I mean, he might be your best bet for, for 50 home runs and stolen bases. I mean, I would put... I would put 25, 25 or some combination of 50 home runs and stolen bases in pen for Luis Robert. I mean, he could he could do 60. He could do 70 home runs plus stolen bases. The the upside is that high when it comes to the speed and power. And I have nothing to take away from him when it comes to that. I mean, you look at the stat cast data on Luis and it's it's just eye popping. He was in he ran at a 96th percentile sprint speed. I mean, one of the fastest guys in the league. 
he was he was seventh in max exit velocity uh, among among qualified batters last year. I mean, he was he hit some of the hardest balls in the league. He was 85th percentile in barrel rate. I mean, you want to talk about a tool shed? This is the tool shed in the league. He could be the premier 30-30 threat for years to come. You know, he's young. He's he's going to be 24 in August. It sounds like the makeup's fantastic. There aren't any reasons to think that he can't develop and can improve, but I'm not ready to buy that. I mean, he's an exciting player, but the price has gotten ridiculous in my opinion. It's high. I mean, we're seeing it's high. It's very high. But where it's, are it's you willing high. to take him then? Let me ask you that. Because obviously you aren't interested where he's going, but where would be a comfortable spot for you? Well, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll address some of the some of the comparable players that I think are available later. Uh, later on, but I, I think sort of in the in a similar range, uh, you know, closer to closer to 100, I think is is where I like him. I, I like him in that 80 to 100 range. And if you were priced that way, I, I might I might consider looking at him there. It's it's tough. It's tough for me to say where I'd be willing to take him because the price has just been so high for me. I haven't had to give it. It's just not even on the table for me to want to take him at the ADP of 36 where he's going. I mean, we've we in this room have seen him go in the 20s and we I mean we've seen him go number Well that's how this all started I think with uh our all our conversations was I reached in the 20s somewhere I don't even remember the pick Ryan might remember it better than me he likes to give me a hard time about it um that uh I reached for Robert somewhere in the 20s in a draft and hole just was like you know what I'm going for pure upside it was early hell yeah it was early but if it pays off I mean I'm sitting very pretty so for me, it wasn't, you know, an $150, $200 entry. It was like 30 bucks or something. I wasn't overly concerned anyway. Figured I'd take the shot. But speaking of, Ryan, have anything to add? Not a ton to add. I mean, Ben and I are, are pretty closely aligned on on Robert. I, I think I'd probably take him a little bit earlier than Ben, if I'm being honest. Like, even into that, like, 50 range, I'm a little more tempted uh, but where he's going, it's just, he could bottom out. He's, he's not likely to bat high in that Chicago lineup unless he just stays hot. And, and like Ben has mentioned, he's going to be susceptible to some cold, like ice cold streaks that are just going to pull him down, down into that eight, nine hole in that lineup. And then, and then you're sacrificing some runs and RBIs on, on what is a second round pick, third round pick, depending on where he's being taken. It makes sense. Lucas, come on in here. I mean, Benny was nicer to Robert than I expected. I mean, I thought you were going to have to get on the defense and, um, really kind of just go crazy at it. Uh, but I know I was on mute there in Skype for a second, so they probably didn't hear me, but Lucas, come on in. Yeah, so Robert is uh, definitely a, an extremely high-variance player, uh, both in the negative, uh, like Ben and Ryan are kind of mentioning, but also on the positive side. I mean, this is an elite prospect uh, that showed, although it was over only a month, that he can produce first-round value. I know that he cratered after he kind of suffered a wrist injury last year, uh, and the numbers just absolutely were god-awful. But he was pacing towards a very productive rotisserie season, and if he's pushing close to 25-25, that's such a scarce profile. I'm perfectly fine taking it in the third round in some drafts, but since he is so high variance, I'm not loading up everywhere. Fair enough. 
Ryan, I'm going to come over to you with a guy who I'm obviously a huge fan of. I have, um, you know, interest more than just fantasy as a Yankees fan. It's Giancarlo Stanton. And I would love for the guy to stay healthy. I think if he stays healthy, he can be one of the most premier bats in the game. Obviously not going to steal bags, but from a certainly a home runs, runs, RBI standpoint, even a 265, 270 average, I would love it. Just needs to stay on the field, you'd think, as a permanent DH that could happen that wasn't even the case in a shortened season what are your thoughts on him do you love where he's going and I wouldn't blame you for loving him where he's going because it's going a much 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 later than we've ever seen yeah it's it's pretty well based on ADP right now for me uh, I I like the player I think when he's healthy he's a stud um, I think the, the injury concerns have also been a little overstated with him and I'll touch on that in a little bit, but really like his ADP is right around that 123 range in previous years. I've never found myself in on him because of that injury risk, but at 123, seeing some of the guys that are going around him, like Carlos Correa, Dillamore, Moustakis, Baum, like he's the guy there for me that I want him in that spot i know ben will reference this that he'd much rather uh select somebody with an injury risk rather than a skill risk stanton fits that mold perfectly i mean last year you look at the stat cast data everything shows that it was online with just about every other year he's played if not even maybe a little better in some regards so we're just hoping for that that healthy season but even looking at some other things with uh with stanton even if you get 100 games out of him, which he often does play 100 games, even in those seasons that he is injured, he plays at least 100 games. In those 100 games, he will outproduce the other players around him that are being taken. If he happens to play more than 100, if he happens to reach that 150, we're talking about a guy that probably should be something like a second round pick, and you're getting him at the 120 range. I want him everywhere this year oh he's a league winner if he even plays 125 games i think what with what he can do uh i'm gonna go back to you benny and i'd like to hear your thoughts on stanton but i know you have more to say on robert so why don't you lay both of of it on us uh just just ramble for a little bit sure sure, yeah uh thanks louis i mean i have a lot to say on louise uh but you know what, as far as the Stanton camp goes, I'm right there with Dubby. Uh, sorry, with Ryan. Uh, I call him Dubby for those who don't know. Anyway, uh, the thing is, I think that the, I mean, I, I'm going to put injury risk on him. I think that we have to. But I think even that is being overstated. You know, before his 2019 injury woes, this guy ra- railed off two straight seasons of, of absolutely full, healthful seasons. Uh, and, and he did his thing. You know, I think it's just, it's a matter of, it's a matter of health, and that's all it is. And I'm, I'm concerned about the health, too. I think you have to be. But at this discount, it's just unbelievable to me. I mean, I'll, I will take that discount all day long. I think if he gives you 100 to 125 games, he's going to pay off at that price. And I think the upside is is far, far greater than that. I really love the player. I love the price. Um, I'm I'm definitely a Stanton fan. And, and as Dub said, uh, I'm I am taking injury risk over performance risk all day. And there is no performance risk, in my opinion, with Giancarlo Stanton. 
Uh, yeah, certainly at that at that price tag. I mean, you you have to, you absolutely have to. But before we go over to Lucas on Stanton and then a player, I know he wants to talk about. As I mentioned, I didn't hear a lot of negative on Robert from you. So if you have some, it's time it's time to lay it out on pretty much every single person listening and definitely to me because right now I'm like, does this guy hate Robert or does he want him on every team? Well, I mean, I, you know, it's no secret that I'm I'm not super fond, but I did, you know, when I when I when I went to talk about uh, Luis Robert, I did want to start with some pros because I I just want to get it off the table, and I I understand that that speed that speed power is just it's as sexy as it comes, you know, that combination uh, is is super tantalizing, and I'm not doubting it. I mean, I think that you know 30, 30, 30, 35, 30, whatever you want to whatever ceiling you want to put on it, I think that that much is in the cards. But the swing and miss is atrocious, guys. I mean, 22.1% swinging strike rate last year, league leading. I mean, yeah, it's a short season, but that's the very same problem that scouts were concerned about through his career. He has been a big swing and miss guy throughout his career. He's run high swinging strike rates uh, year after year, level after level. So that's not something that we should expect to go away. His his contact rate was 61.4% last year. I mean... That's abysmal. And and it's it's generated by a few things. I mean, he really chases pitches outside of the zone, uh, one of the highest rates in the league. But he also doesn't make a lot of contact on pitches inside of the zone. You know, he's one of the lowest in the league uh, at, at making contact with pitches in the zone at 74.5% contact rate last year. So for me, it's he's chasing. Uh, he's he's not connecting on on what he's swinging at inside of the zone. It's just a, a huge swing and miss profile. Um, and you know we saw the upside that dynamite first half. He had the 960 OPS, 10 home runs, four stolen bases through August 31st. His first 33 games at MLB were stunning, you know. But he was running a 366 BABIP. He was running a 30% home run to fly ball rate. 30.8% K rate, and I think it could have been a lot higher than that based on that swing and strike rate, which was actually at 24% through that sort of first half there. Then he disappeared in September, and and I remember I was I was really I was voicing it quite a bit at the time where I thought he was a great guy to sell, sort of. I mean, especially in a redraft setting, but I thought he was a great guy to sell right around September 1st because from September 1st on, those last 23 games gave you a 409 OPS, one home run. 34% strikeout rate, which is where I think we could see it land over a full season, if I'm being honest. And he actually improved the swing and strike strike rate by a little bit. He improved a lot of those scary metrics, the, the chase rates and the contact rates. He improved those all by a little bit in September, but they were so ugly in August that there was kind of nowhere to go but up. And I, and I don't think that there was even still much chance for him to avoid that type of slump. I think that the slumps are going to be dark if you ever owned Justin Upton during his prime I'm not making a comparison player for player here but Upton was a guy that even in his very good years you would go months at a time or, or weeks at a time anyway he would go through these ugly stretches where you wanted to bench him but then you're risking you're risking missing out on that next hot streak and that's the other thing with Luis Robert if you're going to reach and own him you can't somebody that's going to be fast with the finger to bench him he's going to get cold and it's going to be ugly but you're if you bench him you're risking missing out on that juice on that on that speed power and you don't want to miss out on that at all um you know what but, benny you know, i the, think the, my biggest takeaway from what you're saying here and i mean i don't play in any head-to-head leagues anymore i'm 100 percent roto and maybe like one points league if i have rob 
Robert in head-to-head, I don't want him in head-to-head. Because if he's going to go through those slumps, it's going to really hurt you. At least in Roto, you can almost put him in that lineup and know at the end of the year you're still going to have the power and speed. If you're playing him in head-to-head, you might go weeks at a time, as you're saying, from one of your top picks getting absolutely jack. And not only that, actually hurting your chances. So that is where I actually do agree with you. If you're playing head-to-head, he's a guy I would probably avoid based on the up-and-down you're going to have from him. Lucas, your thought on Stanton, and then your initial thoughts on Kyle Lewis. I know he's a guy you want to talk about. Yeah, so with Stanton, uh, there's obviously no questioning his skills. His exit velocities are elite, and he's probably one of the most potent power bats in the game. Uh, It's simply a matter of health that I'm not interested in taking him at his ADP over at NFBC, where there's no IL spots, and there's only a seven-man bench. Uh, This is a guy that, for the past two seasons, has only played 41 games in the regular season. He's had a, a bevy of soft tissue injuries, and entering age 31, Uh, I don't expect him uh, to necessarily just magically get healthier as he gets older. Uh, I understand the talent, but the leagues that I play in, uh, having no IL spots and having to have maximum utility off your benches, uh, not interested there. But perhaps in an IL spot, if he falls enough, I could take a stab at him. Uh, With Kyle Lewis, this is a guy that I've actually seen um, kind of poo-pooed at times uh, throughout this offseason. He started out kind of in the 130s, 140s, ADP. Pretty expensive, and was not intrigued at that price, but he's actually slipped. And in some of my NFBCs, he's fallen into the 180s, which I was happy to take him at that price. And even around 150, 160, I'm okay going for him because he does have that 30 homer, 15 steal potential, which was the exact pace that he was headed for in 2020 AL uh, Rookie of the Year season. Yeah, I mean, he kind of like um, Robert, was kind of up and down, but I think that happens with a lot of young players. It's really a matter of making the adjustments. And to be fair, with the shorn season, you don't have time to make the adjustments. The league can adjust to you, and then you don't have the time to make the adjustment, and suddenly the season's over, and people are wondering if it was a fluke, if you're going to be able to make those adjustments. So this is definitely a big season for him to kind of prove the, like the type of player that he is. Ryan, your thoughts on Kyle Lewis? Do you think he can be an impact type of player, or do you think it was more of a got off to a hot start, and that's not the type of player we can expect to see moving forward? I think it's somewhere in between. Um, For me, it's funny because Lucas is saying he's out on Stanton at his ADP. And I I get the injury risk there that that's a big deal. But like him and Lewis are going in a similar spot. And I think Stanton can outproduce Lewis if Lewis plays a full season and Stanton plays 100 games. I think he could outproduce him. And, And I would rather bank on that and potentially getting more. I don't, I don't dislike Lewis, don't get me wrong there, but it's not like he's providing a ton of speed. I just, the five stolen bases there in the majors was basically a career high, even through the minors. Like, I don't anticipate it to get up above five or sort of in the mid-single digits. He strikes out a ton. Uh, he walks a decent amount. Like, he and Stanton are not dissimilar other than, Stanton's going to produce a whole bunch more power. He's in a better lineup. He's going to hit in the heart of that lineup. So it, if I'm if I'm sitting there and I'm kind of between the two, I'm taking Stanton out of the two. Um, 
but I Lewis isn't a bad consolation prize. Uh, I I probably buy into like a, a mid mid two hundreds average, kind of what he did, and and that twenty home run, maybe thirty home run power. Um, he's not a he's not a bad pick where he's going. I think there's just other players in that area I like a whole lot more for the upside. I'm gonna I'm gonna push back a little bit on that. I mean, I I see your points there, Ryan, but I think I'm a little bit more on Lucas's side with the with the valuation on Lewis. I think that we I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of a discount, but I really don't mind the value. And and to be fair, Stanton's going about a full round ahead of Kyle Lewis, so it's not as if you're really having to pick between one or the other at any point. But to your point about the stolen bases kind of popping up for the first time this season, that's true, but. I don't know if you remember when, when he was, I believe he was drafted out of high school. And when Kyle Lewis first came onto the scene, he was a speed power threat. And then he had some knee issues and he had some surgeries. And I think a lot of the lack of running through the minors is recovery and protection for that knee. I, he's a pretty fast guy and he, he ran pretty efficiently. I think he went five for six uh, in the, in that short season last year. I mean, he stole bases at an efficient clip. I think he sprinkles in enough power to get you by. I think it's mid twenties power, maybe upside, uh, higher on that and I think he could give you double digit speed I think it's a it's a good place to sprinkle in a little bit of speed I don't think the average is going to crush you and he takes a walk I think that you know his propensity to walk is really going to help him to continue to hit high in that order in Seattle and I and I think there's a lot of safety in in the Kyle Lewis pick I like it I mean yeah I'll take Stanton ahead of Lewis but I can take both and I would gladly take both I like Kyle Lewis quite a bit especially um, if you avoided an early pick on a guy like Luis Robert. <laughs> Ryan, your rebuttal. Yeah, I, it's a, you know, it's a fair point. There's about 10 picks uh, in between them. So you can, you can maybe get both if you want both. On the speed side, he is a pretty quick guy still. Um, but, but as we've seen with a lot of guys, speed doesn't mean a ton it's all about opportunity with stolen bases there's guys out there that aren't as quick end up racking up some stolen bases guys that are quite uh quite quick that don't just due to lack of opportunity uh teoscar hernandez comes to mind so i hope the mariners give him an opportunity to run maybe he can rack up a few more i'm just not willing to bank on it in any tangible way i mean the other side is the the home run power i I just can't buy into anything more than 30. He really, last year, even in that good year, didn't hit the ball all that hard. It was pretty middling, uh, even below average, uh, exit velocity, hard hit rate, all of those things. It, to me, he just he's one of those guys that kind of screams, like, maybe he can rack up 10 stolen bases. That's great. But I'm probably guessing he's in that 20 to 25 home run range. And so the... For where he's going in this draft, I just don't love the upside as much as some other players still. That's fair. I mean, I'm kind of with you, Ryan, in the sense that I don't know if I can get both Lewis and Stanton. Um, would I like to try? Yeah, I would. Uh, I think it would be a really nice outfield two, outfield three, even if I wanted to just not worry about my outfield until that point in the draft. Um I, at that point, though, if I had to pick one, it would be Stanton. Um, as much as I don't look at Lewis as a health risk, I think there might be performance risk. And as we've kind of all agreed here, um, which is rare, of course, that um, I will definitely take the performance 
over the risk. And with Stanton, at least you know there is performance. There's no performance issues. One more hitter, Corey Seager. Hell of a postseason from this guy, for sure. Benny, get us started. Ah, uh, there you go. Nice. Thanks for thanks for that, Lou. I uh, my mic etiquette could be better, couldn't it? Anyway, I you know I really like Corey Seager as a floor guy. He's actually somebody that I love as as an alternative pick to when you're seeing Luis Robert go. I like taking Seager because I think that he's gonna he's not gonna provide speed. We're not banking on any speed, but I think that the power is gonna be average to plus. You know, I think about 30 home runs is is gonna be nice from him. I think he's a pretty safe bet to give you 200 runs plus RBI. Uh, and I think that the batting average is pretty safe. I think he's going to be a 290, 295 hitter with upside on that. I mean, I could really see Corey Seager, Seager exploding and and having another run at, an, at a bit of an MVP season. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me to see him with a big eye-popping 40 home runs, 320 average. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. I know you're not a huge narrative guy, but it is a contract year. Do you buy into that at all? Uh, not especially with Corey Seager. Um, I and and yeah, I'm not I'm not one to typically buy into that type of narrative. You you pin me correctly on that one. I don't I don't buy it with him. Uh, I also think that there's a, an okay chance that we see him extend in Los Angeles, or there's an understanding that he's coming back to Los Angeles. I'm not a hundred percent on that, but no, I. I don't see the I don't see the contract year hurting or helping his performance. I suppose if anything, it'll it might lead him to want to play more. If he if he is dinged up, he may play through some injury. Uh, but I don't I don't really see that looming over his head as as either a negative or a positive with respect to his performance. I've always been a Corey Seager fan. I don't love where he's going in drafts with all the depth at shortstop, but as a player, I do think he's tremendous. Um, and I think he's going to make a lot of money next offseason. That's for sure when it comes to real life. Ryan, over to you. Yeah, I. he's one of those guys that I don't, I don't have a strong feeling either way on kind of where he's going. Um, in, in doing a little bit of research, there's maybe a couple of guys in the area I might prefer. Uh, Alex Bregman might be one of the one that's going just a little bit later. I might prefer like the batting average is going to be maybe a little bit lower there, but similar power. And I'm probably going to get a few more stolen bases out of Bregman. Uh, there's always the chance that Bregman picks up some shortstop eligibility. Probably not likely, but I, he's fine. He's fine where he is, is I think what it is like everything last year was it was so studly in terms of how hard he was hitting the ball. He just, he doesn't strike out a lot. He doesn't swing and miss a lot. Um, he just mashed last year. So I I'm fine with where he's going. Um, he's not a guy I'm necessarily in on, uh, but I certainly uh, would not criticize anybody for taking him where he's going. He's going to help you. He's very consistent. Um, I like that he doesn't strike out. That was a great point. So to me, it's really just, I think you can actually get him later than what his ADP is at. Obviously, it depends on the room, but I think that a lot of people are going to get those early shortstops, those early first, second round shortstops, and then they might not be as quick to grab. You might be able to get him around later than he's going, and I think that makes a difference. I also think he's a target of mine in auctions because I think if you throw him out early, people will not 
pay as much because they'll want to wait on the bigger names, or he won't be thrown out early and people have already spent money at that position. So he's definitely a target of mine from an auction standpoint. Uh, ben, do you have anything else to add here? No, I, I really I really like your point on him as an auction target. And I, I also like your point on if you can get him a little bit later than – I mean, the ADP is 36 right now. I, I like the price fine, but he is a guy who I think a lot of people in the room just aren't going for him. I mean, I, I've, I've seen him falling – in the late fifties in drafts. And that's really for me where the value is. I've heard multiple people say that just at his price, they're, they're not going to be interested in, and that sentiment kind of holds into that sort of late fifties, early sixties range. And for me, I mean, runs in RBI, it's, we, we don't love to project them because they can be, you know, very contextual and very situational, but he's one of the few guys that I'm going to project for 200. Uh, runs an RBI with upside for more. Uh, but I, I really like your point there, Lou. I, I think that the key is to hope that he falls uh, into that fourth, fifth round rather than to necessarily be jumping on him in the third. Because you're right, there are some nice alternatives at shortstop later on in the draft that would be uh, nice targets as well. And of course, the superstars early on, like the Turners and uh, Stories and Tatis, and I'm sure I'm missing one, so I'm thinking off the top of my head. Let's move over to some pitchers here. We got two before we uh, end this part one of this fantastic duo, dynamic duo series with Benny and Ryan. Ryan, I'll start with you, Luis Severino. Look at you. Are you picking these Yankees because you know you're talking to me on the show, or do you actually like them? Well... As you know, I'm a Jays fan, so it actually pains me that I'm taking all these Yankees and think they're going to be good this year. But it's for them, it's similar to Stanton where there's the health risk. Uh, but where he's going, uh, I'll call it stupid and irresponsible. Um, he, he just He's a guy that's been really good when he's pitched. Um, there's not a ton of performance risk there. Uh, he had the one year in 2016 with the high ERA. It wasn't a lot of innings pitch, pretty small sample size. Then you go 2017-2018. I mean, he pitched 100, over 190 innings both years, uh, right around that three ERA, great strikeout rate, pretty good walk rate. It Like, he was amazing. And then he gets injured. I get it. I get there's that injury risk there. But considering where he's going right now, like, we're looking at an ADP in the 400s. He's going around guys like... Cal Quantrill, Adam Wainwright, like that's irresponsible considering the upside on this guy. You got Robbie Ray going 130 picks before Luis Severino. It's just silly to me. And then the one I really want to bring up is, of course, Thor, Syndergaard. I would put them at a similar risk in terms of injury. In fact, they're projected for pretty similar innings this year. They're projected to come back at a pretty similar time. And yet, for some reason, Syndergaard's going 140 picks before Severino. I just don't understand why Severino is getting discounted this much, like where I'm getting him so late that I'm basically getting rotational filler when I'm getting Severino this year. I'm all over that. I want him absolutely everywhere in every redraft possible. Again, I understand he's not going to pitch a full season. I get that. But for the innings he is going to pitch, I'm going to get so much out of them that I can wait a little bit. I don't have to pay a high price for him. Considering some of the names I just mentioned, like I would much rather take 80 innings at a Severino than whatever I'm going to get at a Cal Quantrill. I mean, 
I'm a Savarino fan, and the difference for him was when he developed that changeup. Developed a feel for that changeup. That changed his entire arsenal, made the fastball better, made that slider better. Nasty stuff, for sure. And Tommy John is so normal now that I'm not even worried about whether a guy can come back from it. If he was 35 years old, I'd have some question marks. And a guy in his mid-20s, not so much. Um, getting him, as you said, as filler or a bench player, there's literally no risk at all. It's like making a mid-season acquisition by eventually getting him for your rotation. So beautiful, beautiful stuff there for sure. Benny, your thoughts on Severino and then get us started on Trevor Bauer. Sure. I mean, I'm, I'm right there with Ryan. I love Severino at this price. The discount is unbelievable. And I agree. It's irresponsible to be letting him fall into the four hundreds in, in a redraft scenario. I mean, even if he pitches a half season, he's going to pay off. Uh, and I, I just think that there is no concern with what the performance is going to be. I think that it's he's going to provide a high-end performance when he's pitching. Uh, I just, I love the price. It's un, it's unbelievable for him. Yeah, as far as Trevor Bauer, I mean, he is a very polarizing personality uh, and pitcher. Probably and, the most of anyone we've talked about so far. Yeah, the, Trevor Bauer and look. I mean, you're not gonna you're not gonna hear me beam about Trevor Bauer as a person. I like the guy who's into the advanced stats, who's into drones, who's into kind of that geeky sort of stuff, the wiggle sticks, the the different ways of thinking. Uh, but I, I wish he would kind of leave his quirks at that. Um, I, I I I thought that that announcement video that he when he joined the Dodgers, I thought that that was pretty self indulgent. We could have done without that. Uh, I didn't like when LeBron James did it, and I'm sorry, but you're Trevor Bauer. Um, he, so from a personality standpoint, I get it. He's, uh, he doesn't leave a whole lot to love, but I just think that he's one of those guys. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say that his ADP of, of 14 or 15, uh, that he's a, a tremendous profit return, but he's one of those guys where you, you, when you're in the room, there are going to be a lot of people in that room that just aren't going to take him because people view him as, as sort of a, a polarizing performance risk as well. It seems that he's gone back and forth year after year, good year, bad year, good year, bad year. It's uh, Saberhagen metrics, if you remember uh, that old thing that Brett Saberhagen used to kind of alternate good seasons with bad uh, way back when some of us were young and others weren't yet born. How many anyway, innings has Bauer thrown in the big leagues? Probably what, like 1,500, somewhere in that range? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull it up here. Yeah, he's so Bauer has well just shy of twelve hundred big league innings. Okay, so and, how many of those have been elite? Maybe a quarter of them. Yeah, it's probably yeah I would say a third, a quarter, or a third. That's the problem elite. for me. Yeah, and I, I can't deny that. But the 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 what what tends to get Bauer is he gets a little bit too fine. He likes to tinker too much. We know that about him. He over tinkers. Even even in a game to game scenario, you see him really nibbling. He really has a propensity to nibble. He doesn't like to to give in and give up the hit. He doesn't like to give in and walk the guy. Um, and and that's shown. He hasn't really run ugly walk rates for a guy who does tend to nibble and be inefficient. Um, but I where I where I think he provides floor. And I get it. You know, at that fourteen fifteen, it's. It's not like there's a ton of profit there, but if you can see him slip to the second or third round, I think that there's a great floor in terms of the strikeouts that he's going to provide. I think that he's going to provide meaningful wins as a Los Angeles Dodger. 
And speaking of the Dodgers, is there a better spot that a pitcher could land from an organizational standpoint uh, with respect to pitching performance? I think that he's going to have a really good year. I don't think he's going to run a 173 ERA. I don't think he's going to run the 221 that he ran in 2018 with that big season. But I think that he's going to do around a three, three and a half ERA. The strikeouts are going to be elite. He's going to pitch every outing. I mean, he might win 30 around. games. <laughs> Not actually, but <laughs> he's going to win every single start that he goes out yeah. for. He's one of the few guys that you can see that that you can see pitching nine innings. He's got a chance to pitch nine full innings every time out. He, and he, he goes into the hundred. What if he's listed? What if he ends up being the third starter? Think about the matchups he's going to have. I mean, if you have Kershaw and Bueller potentially being one-two, he's going up a lot of times against teams two, three, or four. And that's going to be a big boost for wins, too. Forget about the fact that he's with the Dodgers, who have a loaded team, who are going to win a lot of games. Um, I think you're right. Just the strikeouts and the wins are beautiful. 14 overall, a little high for me. But as you said, if he falls second or third round, hello, SP1, and you didn't have to take... DeGrom or Cole or um, Bieber, for instance. Ryan, your thoughts? Yeah, they're pretty similar. Um, I think ceiling-wise, we've kind of seen what that ceiling is. It can be really good in those, like, random seasons. He he just had one. He had one in uh, 2018 there that was, like, truly elite. But he's also not, now that he has those strikeouts up there, He's not a bad floor guy, especially in Roto, because as Ben pointed out, there's huge volumes there. He's going to pitch a ton. He's one of the few pitchers in baseball that I could see going over 200 innings this year. I I could see it being possible. And he's going to give you a ton of strikeouts with that. We're talking maybe 250 or more strikeouts with that. So in a Roto setting, you combine that with the fact that really, despite having these couple elite seasons... He's probably not going to have an ERA higher than like the low fours. And as Ben mentioned, it's probably likely in the threes. So there's actually quite a decent floor with him as well. I don't think you're looking for floor with that 14th pick. You're looking for that ceiling. I think he can provide it, but there's a little less volatility there than maybe a U Darvish. Like Darvish, we've seen him kind of bottom out. We haven't really seen bauer bottom out since his first couple of seasons where he didn't really pitch all that much that's fair uh i mean i do i can make an argument and maybe it's just my draft philosophy that when you're taking a guy that early of course you want the ceiling but you do want that floor you want that built-in security blank if you're gonna waste a pick or use a pick i should say that early You want to have somebody that you know, at the very least, even if they don't pitch to their potential, they're not going to hurt you. They're not, they're going to give you the innings. They're going to give you the strikeouts. That safe floor actually makes me feel better about using him or taking him early at 14. No, but if he fell to 19 or 23 or 27, I feel pretty safe and pretty good about it. Benny. Yeah, I think as I as I mentioned before, you know, at his ADP, it's not a ton of profit potential there, and I'm I'm probably not taking him 14th. I think there are still some bats there that I would much prefer, assuming the big three starting pitchers are gone. But he is a guy that you see him slide. You do see him slide into the 20s, and that's where I'm willing to take the risk uh, because I I think that the risk is overstated. I think that he's he's going to provide value. You know, even in that 2019 that. 
people will point to as a down season for him because he ran that 4480 ERA. He struck out 253 guys. You know, the volume was there and the whip wasn't a killer. It was a 125 whip because he does needle, he does get fine, but it doesn't necessarily impact the the walk rate. It tends to impact his pitch efficiency. So, I like him if if you see him slipping by about a round and you do see that, I like him as a nice profit there and a great floor. Good stuff, guys. Good stuff for sure. This is going to wrap up part one of two, but be sure to stay tuned for part two. We'll continue conversation on pitchers. Of course, get into some discussion on some deep values as well. I'm Lou Landers with co-host Lucas Beery, special guest Benny and Ryan. Thanks for tuning in, folks. We'll catch you next time.